Wow, everybody, what a crazy couple of days that we've had. Phew. I thought <laughs> I thought it would be done by now. I thought we'd have some sort of like peace and semblance and the world would be a better place. And it's almost like worse now. Oh, man, it's definitely worse now for sure. I mean, I'm sure you guys all know, you know, we just had election last night and we're still trying to figure out who won. Man, what a discombobulated mess. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, you know, I guess one good thing that did come out of the elections was that cannabis won big all over the U.S. It did win big, but we had to pull out our cannabis ourselves just to even make it to that point. We were like <laughs> taking bong rips. Ate an edible. We raided the edible cabinet. <laughs> like, what's in here that we can pull out? What's the strongest thing you got in there, Dr. Lucy? <laughs> right. Totally. And we did. We got ourselves an edible. We packed the bong with some keef and we had a joint to just end the night. We still had to have the joint, man. It was kind of rough. And even though, you know, there was not a lot of craziness that happened, it was a lot of just the same unknown. Right. I don't know how many times we flipped between news channels watching various different maps come up and down and different math equations go forth. And oh, my goodness. Yeah, every time we flipped, we were like, light up the joint. <laughs> Here we go. We're doing it again. Oh, man. But all good. And like Lucy mentioned, there was one positive that came out of all of this year. And that is that cannabis did win big. They did win big. We saw, what did we see? We saw a wreck go live in Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota. That's pretty big because those are some some red states that are flipping right there to cannabis. And so, you know, New Jersey going going wreck on the East Coast, you know, is that the domino that, that takes New York with it and, yeah. and takes it all down over there? Yeah. Now we're going to see what's going to happen on the rest of the East Coast, which is exciting. Yeah. I think what we did is we really put cannabis in a good spot for the future. You know, I think now it's like, not really a question of federal legalization. It's more of like, when will that happen? Right. I think we only have like three states right now. I think it's Idaho, Nebraska, and Kansas that are like, fuck you, cannabis. You <laughs> have no place in the state. And so, I mean, we're down to three guys. That is it. There's three states left to conquer and some form of either hemp, medical cannabis, recreational, something. And then that's it. You know, we've We've somewhat made it. You know, we're halfway there, I guess. Yeah. And what I thought was kind of interesting was that South Dakota voted on both rec and med at the same time. They're like, we're not messing around. We're just in it for the win. Yeah. I mean, good for them. Right. <laughs> they've they like didn't watched, even mess around. They've watched the other 11 recreational states and like, well, what's, what do we have to lose? Like, right. why not? We don't need to waste four years with medical. Let's just get right into it. But I did think it was interesting that Mississippi went med. That's a southern state that you wouldn't really think of. Yeah, true. And I think maybe maybe hemp maybe help with that. Yeah. I know, you know, the, the hemp industry is kind of big all over. The hemp is really what kind of came and and kind of softened up the South. And maybe that's kind of what we're seeing. People are like, well, hemp wasn't so bad. We're trying our CBD. We're taking our CBD tinctures. Let's like, let's try the real thing. Yep, I think so, for sure. So that was a huge win last night. I know everybody is super excited about that. I mean, the Internet's been buzzing like crazy over all the cannabis wins. So kudos to cannabis. Kudos to cannabis. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited, too. Yeah. And then what else did we have here? We had something big and special happen in Oregon. Oh, we did. So did you guys see that? They decriminalized all drugs. All drugs. That's a trip. That is, well, yeah. <laughs> a literal, in, maybe. in a couple different ways, that is a trip. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a big step. You know, the other thing they did there as well is legalize uh, psilocybin therapy, which I think is a huge next step in, in uh, you know, mental health and medicine and 
clearly there's some significance to that else, you know, why would they legalize it? So, uh, you know, also uh, DC decriminalized mushrooms, which is also a big step. Um, and that's kind of following the wave that's also happening. It happened here in in Denver as well as, uh, as Oregon as well. And, uh, I'm probably missing off another, another area in there with, uh, decriminalized mushrooms. But, you know, we're seeing other things start to, to make movement here beyond cannabis. You know, mushrooms are kind of moving around, um, Oregon decriminalizing all drugs. Uh, so there's, there's, I think there's more to come beyond just mushrooms, mm-hmm. you know, in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Oh, absolutely. I think they're really just starting to open the floodgates for what's to come. Um, I would be interested to know more about decriminalizing all drugs in Oregon, how that's going to work and, you know, their thought process behind that. But we'll have to dig into that a little bit deeper later on. Yeah, I saw it was something like a, like a requirement for like therapy or something or a $100 civic fine or something. Mm. Um, but regardless, I know they, they vastly cut back the penalties on it. And their focus is definitely more in the area of, you know, therapies. But, you know, as this continues to shake out, we are going to go straight to the experts and just have them on the show and tell us what's popping. Yeah, absolutely. So if you do know somebody who is an expert in that area in Oregon, hit us up, let us know. We'd love to have them on the show. Yeah, we want to know. And then speaking of, you know, voting in elections, uh, we want you guys to vote for us for the second annual Hoppy Awards at the House of Pod. Yeah. I mean, last year we mentioned that we went there. Uh, we realized we did not cut the snuff. We probably shouldn't have won an award. We did not win an award, um, but it was a good learning experience for us. And a year later, we we came to win. We came to win, guys. Yeah, we're trying to win this year, you we're guys. We're trying to win. Yeah, and we've mentioned, you know, on our past episodes that we've been working with the House and Pod here in Denver. They're the ones really behind, you know, helping us make our show better, making it sound better. So, you know, total props to them. But we just want to show off everything that we've been doing this year. So if you think we're doing good, you know, go on to the House of Pod. You can go on to our Instagram. The link is there. Nominate us for the best Colorado podcast or the best host slash co-hosts. How about both? Instead of or, just do both. Both. I think you can do both. And so make sure you put the Lit and Lucid podcast. Yeah, it's detailed in there, the full name. So just Lit Lucid podcast. I'm sure they'll figure it out. I um, think they will, right? Yeah. Come on. But you guys should just vote for us. Even if you don't think we're doing good things, just vote for us. Like, who cares? Yeah. Let us have a, a toss in the ring. Yeah. Just like maybe it'll boost our confidence and we'll do better. I don't <laughs> know. But you should just go vote and tell your friends to vote. Cool. What else did we learn? You know, I learned something cool that I thought I would leave people with. Let us know. What is it? All of my boredom during the election and the endless scrolling while on cannabis products produced some really fascinating finds. What was that? I found a patent where, (laughs) you know, bear with me, guys. This is kind of some crazy shit. And I'm going to try to find the patent again. And maybe we'll put it up on our website. We'll link it maybe in this next episode or something. Because I kind of want to hear from somebody maybe that understands this stuff a little bit more than me. Maybe I'm like misreading it. But basically, what I discovered is the Navy has anti-gravity and propulsion technology, which essentially that means the Navy has a flying fucking saucer. <laughs> right. <laughs> a, a craft that can, that can work with the space-time continuum and essentially electromagnetic forces to uh, achieve very rapid speeds and to not have any of the friction of gravity and, and any of the other 
forces in our uh, universe. So, you know, some crazy stuff there to drop on you. I'll try to link the the story and the patent in uh, in our website somewhere. We'll let you guys know where that lands. But check it out, guys. Just Google it. I don't know. It's out there. It's not like too hidden. It was on literally the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's thing, and I was reading about it. Pretty dense stuff, but you guys should check it out. So yeah. one positive out of this whole election <laughs> thing, guys, is we might actually have flying saucer technology where we could travel through space and time. And that's not just me being baked, guys. It was literally something I found. It's tangible. It's out there. <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, we had this whole lucid conversation about it last night. I think we went on and turned into multiple rabbit holes of other ideas like time traveling and things like that. So check it out. See what you think about it. Yeah. Did you learn anything fun during all this? Oh, man. You know, I've been trying to get into astrology a little bit. Um, a lot of my yoga teachers have a strong base in astrology. So I've been trying to wrap my head around that. I figured it would be important to understand kind of how the planets are working with how we're experiencing our world today. And it all kind of makes sense. So yesterday, Mercury finally went direct with the election. So that's good. That should start to calm things down a little bit. Um, but they also said, you know, continue to still expect turbulence for the next couple of weeks, we have Jupiter and Pluto coming in. And that's going to create a struggle between those two planets, as well as Mars is in retrograde until the 13th as well. So we still have some crazy energy going on. And then we'll wrap up the month with our Gemini in the full moon. And that's going to bring us some surprises and some plot twists. So brace yourself, smoke some weed, meditate and just hang on for the ride. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like some really crazy stuff. It's crazy. That's but it's like, interesting to see like kind of how it all works out. Like, you know, like we did have the election yesterday and, you know, Mercury did go direct. So in theory, you know, things would calm down. But we're understanding that, you know, there's these other planets still in play that are causing this turbulence, which we're seeing with the election. And I don't think we're going to see any results till the end of the month. You know, I was really surprised that we had a full moon on Halloween and nothing crazy happened. Nothing happened. It was like an anomaly. Right. And it expecting. was the second one. The once in a blue moon, remember? The once in a blue moon. Yeah. You know, I guess we saved it all for election week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two days later. <laughs> Speaking of something fun, we have something fun for you on the show today. Oh, yes. We have a good friend, Laganja Astranja. She is a world-renowned female illusionist, choreographer, music artist, cannabis advocate, LGBTQ icon. She's been on RuPaul's Drag Race. She's been on season 15 of So You Think You Can Dance and America's Got Talent. She's got a really cool background and I'm excited to learn a lot more about her. That is quite the background. Right. So stay tuned. Grab yourself a joint. Kick back. Uh, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find a podcast. We're there. Click that subscribe button. Re give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And so uh, we got a show to get to, guys. So check you there. See you soon. This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid. And we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products. And get cozy, cozy in the, the Lit and Lucid lifestyle. lifestyle.
Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording another episode of the show. We are on episode 103. Today, we have a very special guest, Laganja Astranja. She is coming to us from Los Angeles, California. What's up, Laganja? Hey there, you guys. So excited to be joining you today. Oh, we're so excited to have you on. You know, we've been really looking forward to this episode because you are quite the talented individual. It's really amazing how much you've accomplished and, you know, how many different things you're touching. Well, well, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. I definitely try to uh, express my talents in many different ways. So I'm I'm so grateful to you all for uh, sharing my story. Totally. And, and the first thing that came to mind was like, you could be doing like all of these things without cannabis because anything on their own is like quite amazing what you're doing. And I, you know, I was really, the first thing that came to mind was like, well, why cannabis? You know, how does cannabis fit into all of this? Because, you know, there's so many amazing things that you're already doing um, that it was kind of like that, uh, that quirky little thing that was part of it. So I'm curious, you know, when did you start consuming cannabis? Well, I just would like to say that basically everything I've done in my life wouldn't have been possible without cannabis. So uh, that's A. And B, I started consuming cannabis when I was about 16 or 17. I was a junior, senior in high school. My dear friend, Lauren Glenn, said, hey, let's go get medicated after school. It's really going to help you with your choreography. So I was introduced to the plant in a very medicinal way right off the bat. I don't think we use that terminology per se, but... Uh, I definitely understood that this plant was going to help me be more creative and that it did. In fact, I became a presidential scholar in the arts uh, for a piece that I created while being under the influence of cannabis back in 2007. That's so cool. So would you, you know, consume a little bit and then, you know, work on your choreography or go to dance practice? Yes, absolutely. I was medicating pretty much strictly just to choreograph because at that time, I didn't really understand, you know, that it was medicinal or that it could be used recreational. I really did just see it as a way to tap into my creativity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can feel the music more as well as your connection with your mind and your body, especially for dance. Oh, absolutely. I think it just kind of opens up your sensors in a different way and allows you to not only move your body differently, but like you said, hear the music in a different way that you might not hear if you weren't under the influence. That's pretty incredible. You know, I, I want to go back here because, you know, you started off by saying you would not have been able to do all the things you've done in your life without cannabis. And that is a pretty powerful statement. Is that kind of indicative of, you know, the power that it has in your life and how powerful of a you know medicinal compound it is? Yeah, I mean, I use cannabis daily. Um, you know, I'm medicated right now. I have been for most of the day. It's it's pretty much an integral part of my life. I'm very active. Anyone who follows me on social ne- social media knows that I'm running, you know, gig to gig to gig, even during quarantine. In fact, I'm sitting right now in the lobby of the place of the people's podcast I just recorded. So I'm always on the go. And the way I'm able to do this and really keep up my energy is by medicating with cannabis. I love that. Totally crushes any stigma about a lazy stoner. Right? Exactly. I've never, I've never understood that. You know, I grew up in Texas where those ads, those PSAs where people were late to pick up their, you know, daughter from school or melting into their couch. So I definitely had this, you know, imprinted in my brain. But like I said, because of my dear friend, Lauren Glenn, who really showed me the way to use cannabis properly, I never had any of those issues. It was always something that encouraged me, that helped me reach an end goal. So I never saw it as something setting me back or making me lazy or any of the things that people might commonly think. 
I know I love talking about these successful stories because, you know, the media and like, you know, just people in general just have like such a negative perception towards cannabis. And Lucy and I are totally like this. And that's what kind of inspired us to start our show was because we were like, we're not lazy stoners. So there's got to be like way more non-lazy stoners out there. And this is proof of it. This is amazing. Absolutely. I think we outweigh the lazy stoners by far. In fact, most of my friends, you know, we use cannabis as medicine. So we wouldn't be taking medicine that made us lazy. You know, that, that just doesn't even make sense. So, uh, you know, most people I know who, who, who medicate through the plant are very high active, very focused in their jobs and working towards their goals. So I don't know. I think it's just, it's all about where you are introduced to the plant and how you're introduced. Mm -hmm. And I was really lucky, like I said, to just, to see it in the, in its true form, which is a plant to help you period. Right. And you're utilizing that to spark your creativity. So you're being very conscious with how you're utilizing the plant medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And then I have another question. So I danced for 15 years and this was when I was little. So it might be a little bit different of a dance community than, you know, you're in now. But I know it was like really strict and I couldn't imagine like if I use cannabis, what they would think of that. So <laughs> kind of what does the dance community think? Well, you know, Gosh, that's an interesting question. I've never received this question. So good for you for stumping me for a second. <laughs> um, I think uh, you're correct in saying that overall in the in the dance community, cannabis is seen in a negative light. I can touch on the fact that, you know, I teach children um, dance and there have been many parents who are uncomfortable with the fact that I'm also a cannabis activist as well as a dance teacher. But I've also had many parents who you know, say, Hey, I actually smoke too. And, you know, it's so great that you are such an open person about it and are really changing the stigma so that maybe one day I won't have to be in the closet. And then I can tell people, you know what, you go home and drink your wine, but I go home and smoke my joint. And there's really no difference here. In fact, mine's proven to be less traumatic, less stressful, less, you know, causing incidents on the highway and all of those things. Whereas alcohol, you know, it, it really is. It's, it's, to me, it's a much more serious drug as someone who has, you know, dealt with alcoholism. Um, you know, I, I, I think cannabis is a much safer way to get to that ultimate point of relaxation, which is what I think people want when they drink. Yeah. And don't you think it would be way better for these dance moms if they were all smoking cannabis and not drinking after? 100%. <laughs> it would not only be better for them, but it would be better for their children. You know, I, dance moms are totally... <laughs> They're something else. They really are. But I also love them because they have so much energy and because ultimately when they're good dance moms, they really do want the best for their child. It isn't necessarily about living out their dream, which we do see a lot. Um, but I think the, the best dance moms are the ones who really do want best for their children. And that's why they come to me because they know I'm a good teacher and it doesn't matter if I smoke pot. Yeah, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. That's what it should all be about. And I was just thinking the whole time of like, you know, that's good that there are parents out there who do use and are responsible and they do connect with you on that regard because sometimes you just like sometimes you feel like you're just like out there alone so sometimes it's nice just have people be like yo i do it too and i think it's okay and just keep doing your thing because from my perspective yeah, I, I actually partnered today with an incredible guy named bradley also known as the cannabis coach 
And, uh, you know, he is what they call a canna dad. He, he promotes this idea of being able to smoke cannabis, being able to be medicated around your children. And uh, so, you know, we partnered today to make some TikToks and we did some silly little skits. But in essence, it was to kind of spread this message and spread this idea. And, and that's how I try to use social media, because at the end of the day, it is addicting and we all are in, into it for the wrong reasons. But it does have the power to really change people's minds. And in 15 seconds on a TikTok, you just don't know what's possible. So I, I try to use my platform and my social media to kind of open up this idea of what it means to be a cannabis user. And I think there are so many successful parents out there who definitely medicate using cannabis, but are also able to, you know, raise incredibly open-minded, educated, successful children. Absolutely. And I like that you brought up the can of dads. I feel like a lot of the times we see things on Instagram, it's all the can of moms. It's like, where's the can of dads at? So I'm glad, you know, that's coming out. You know, I'm in the gay community, so I do know a lot of gay men. And, you know, I think there are a lot of gay men out there who have used cannabis, whether it be for their PTSD growing up as gay, whether it be for depression, whether it be to regulate their sleeping and eating cycles. I mean, there's so many reasons why, you know, uh, users turn to the plant. But I think specifically in the LGBTQAI plus community, we see an influx because of PTSD. I know that's definitely, even though I didn't understand at 18 when I was first medicating, that was what I that was definitely a way I was using the plant was to escape these feelings of, you know, feeling disenfranchised. I know. I feel like we hear that a lot. I feel like we hear like cannabis is kind of what helps people kind of take like the next step. Um, you know, we talk to people about like sports and stuff and throughout their time and there's people who, you know, Lucy and I use it to, to work out and, and all that. And it's really cool now to hear stories of like cannabis helping you break away from stigmas and your own personal anxiety to help achieve. Cause I'm looking at like your, the things you've accomplished, like this is incredible really. And if you're telling me it all started from cannabis and kind of giving you the creative freedom, that is like amazing, you know, like the sky yeah. is the limit at that point. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why I chose the name Laganja Stranja because the plant has been so integral to my journey as a human being, first and foremost. And that's why, you know, when I became a drag queen, I wanted to have something, a platform that was bigger than myself and a message that wasn't just how gorgeous and talented I am, because don't get me wrong, I'm gorgeous and very talented, Mm -hmm. but there is so much more to me than that. And I, I believe that, you know, cannabis advocacy is just one way I get to use my voice and my platform to help other people achieve their ultimate goal of happiness and success. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, advocating for the plant, uh, we did watch your music video, The Look at Me featuring Jay Tyler. And it was a music video depicting, you know, Hispanic man, he was being stopped. And he instantly just got arrested for having one joint in his pocket and he was convicted. And you were just kind of showcasing, you know, the war on drugs and the racial bias in terms of, you know, cannabis. So what caused you to do that? Why did you speak out? Well, you know, I'm a white person of a lot of privilege. And I think with that becomes a lot of responsibility. And at the end of the day, you know, the fact that I'm able to get cannabis ordered to my door, just like a pizza, um, 
is a privilege and it is my, not only my duty, but it is my right as a human being to care for the backs of those that this industry has been built on. And specifically, I'm talking about the people of color when it comes to the cannabis industry and specifically the black and brown trans brothers and sisters when it comes to the LGBTQAI plus community. So for me, when I was making this music video, I didn't just want it to be something that would make people go, wow, she's fierce. I wanted it to be a way to make people think and make people recognize the fact that we are so lucky here in America, especially here in California, to be smoking cannabis as freely and as openly as we are, because there are still many, many, many people of color in jail for this exact same thing that we are doing now legally. And I just felt it was right. You know, I've also partnered with the Last Prisoner Project as of recent, which is an incredible organization fighting to free every prisoner who is currently in jail for cannabis only, uh, you know, to get them out and to get them social equity, which is basically, um, you know, money and property into businesses, cannabis businesses. So businesses that they were arrested for, now they deserve a piece of that pie, which I really believe in. And that's why, you know, I just want to use my voice in that way, because as much as I love cannabis and being able to be an activist and do all of those things, if it wasn't for these other people, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here as a queer person, and I definitely wouldn't be here as a cannabis user. So to, to not uh, draw attention to that, I think, would be a disservice to, 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 to humanity, you know, truly. That's amazing. You know, I wish everybody looked at it that way because that's exactly what it is. You know, in our pre-show, we talked about how I think last night it was another five or so states that um, went towards cannabis. And really, though, there's still a handful of states that are anti-cannabis. And just like you mentioned, there's people being arrested for cannabis. That's still happening literally today. It probably yeah, right happened now. like I right mean, now. I, I, wish I knew the yeah. statistic, but literally there's so many people of color being arrested literally right now. Right it's now. Insane. Yeah. It's still a thing. The problem and, still very much exists. And so all of us, you know, it shouldn't just take, you know, one person standing up. It should be a duty of all of us to stand up and, and do something. So kudos to you for doing that. And also we kind of skipped over in, in our notes a little bit, but you're also an advocate. Um, you know, you mentioned in some other uh, talking points that the cannabis industry is homophobic. And so I think that's also you know, great on your part to take a stance against that and say, you know, though, you know, there's a lot of representation in the cannabis industry of the LGBTQ community. Um, maybe that's not actually the case once you're in it and that still needs to be addressed. And so there's a lot of stuff here. It's not just, you know, glitz and, and glimmer and, and, uh, and all that. It's like, there's still work that needs to be done and you're doing that work. You know, I'm really trying to, and, and I'll be honest with you, it doesn't make me happy that I have to talk about the homophobia in the industry, that that's like a talking point on all of these podcasts for me. It it really makes me sad, especially right now when it is so clear with BLM that what is so important right now is the systematic racism we are still experiencing as a community at large. Uh, and so that's why, you know, I try to always bring it back to that because while I have felt homophobia in the industry, it's nothing in comparison to what people of color have felt. And, um, you know, I, I do try to spread the message that it is a homophobic industry, that it is a sex, not sexophobic, but, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's a sexist world. I mean, women are not celebrated in the industry and yes, there are many organizations that are being birthed out of this because they have to. And it's not to say that women haven't been recognized. They have, but on a very small scale in comparison to the white straight men that are now coming in with all this money and taking over the industry. And so that's why as an activist and as a queer person, I just try to remind people, hey, look, it's amazing that you guys have money. It's amazing that you're white and privileged, but 
you have a responsibility with all of that to really do something about this and to not just, you know, bring in Coca-Cola and make all this money, but to actually change and, and, and help the industry grow. Because I really believe if we would integrate all of our problems and all of each other and really, you know, become as one, because truly to me in the original idea, when I became a cannabis smoker, I thought of the 1960s and the whole idea of one love, it didn't matter what color, didn't matter who you were, you know, sucking on. It just mattered to the fact that you were all smoking pot and being loved. And I think that's where I want to get to, but we cannot get there if we do not acknowledge all of the issues that are still at large. Absolutely. And, you know, I saw maybe one small thing that you're doing to help move this forward is you had just recently partnered with the LA Hepburn. Do you want to tell us about that brand? This was actually quite a while ago. This okay. was in the beginning of my, you know, cannabis activi activist career. I did partner with Hepburns, which is out of San Francisco. Unfortunately, when we went recreational here in California, uh, their business was killed because they were a small business and they did not have a lot of white privilege. Yes, Allie, who runs the company, is white, but she is a female and she did not have access to millions of dollars, which you need to basically keep a brand recreational in this day and era. So unfortunately, I, I no longer have a collab with them, but it was incredible. It was the only company thus far to get behind me uh, and really believe in my brand, believe in the queer dollar, believe in, you know, the LGBTQAI plus community. And since then, I have been, you know, trying day after day to find a company to create the Laganja Stranger brand. But unfortunately, because I'm queer, I truly believe this, it's not been successful. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. And maybe that's, you know, why there's a problem, because that's what like, we're all looking at this, like, you wouldn't expect that. But then clearly, it's a problem. Um, you know, do you think that's going to change is like, it's more, it's, it's becomes more legalized across the US, maybe federal legalization? Do you think it's just a stigma attached to it? Maybe it's being like politicized? Do you think that's going to change? Or do you think it's just like, it's going to be all of us like still putting in work to change all those stigmas? I have hope it will change. Do I think it's really going to change very soon? No, I don't. I believe we are uh, in the long haul of a lot of work we're going to have to do. And I just think, unfortunately, you know, we don't have power here. The queer people, the people of color, women, we don't really have power here. So it's going to take banding together and creating a stronger voice than those who currently operate and run the industry. So uh, I have hope. I really do. I, I, I see more and more people come together, especially, you know, as I'm literally looking to the left of me and watching CNN live right now. It's just like, you know, <laughs> we we have been preached this xenophobia by our president. And I think there has been an uproar to that. And I do think even though right now, as we see with the current election, we're 50-50, we're very divided as a country, there is still 50% of this country who believes like I do and who wants to see people smoke cannabis freely and who wants to be able to have alternative medication and not have to be hopped up on a bunch of pills. So I just ult I ultimately hope that, yes, change will come. It's just going to take some due diligence. We'll keep fighting the good fight. I know we will. And if you're listening to this, do everything you can, you know, share, share some of this content that's created to, to change the message around it, break those stigmas, educate people about it, help do your part too, because, you know, everybody can't do everything, but you can do a little. I agree. I think if you can just be a living and walking example of a successful stoner, that's enough. 
that's what I tell people I do. I mean, people, you know, put this whole title on me, like I'm some big activist. And yes, I am. I do. I work with organizations. I do what I can. But at the end of the day, the best work I'm doing is just living and breathing and showing people as a cannabis user, I am still functional. I'm not only functional, but I'm doing this because of this. And I just think that, um, you know, activist starts there. It starts within. I love that. And that's like totally why we started our podcast as well, just to showcase exactly that, that we're successful stoners. So that's great. Everybody keep doing it. Like that's the way to be. That's right, honey. Smoke your joint and make that money. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we have um, a question from one of our listeners. She loves you. And we talked to her a couple weeks ago and told her that you were going to be on the show. And so she's curious, what keeps you inspired? Oh my gosh. Well, so many things in life keep me inspired. I think inspiration should come from, you know, everywhere you turn because that's what life to me is. I mean, we're so lucky to wake up every day, even though the world right now is insane and there's all this sadness. We're so lucky to be alive right now. And we, we have so many options at our, at our feet. So I, I, I forget now what this tangent was going to be about. What was the question one more time? This is what happens when you smoke weed. That's okay. What keeps you inspired? Right. What keeps me inspired? Well, that's the thing. So many things keep me inspired. My friends, my animal, my success mildly on YouTube, um, you know, my art, my passion, my love for myself, my love for others. I mean, I just feel like inspiration is around me at all times. And I used to be one of those people who was very like, well, I'm inspired by Bob Fosse. And this is what I know. And this is what I grew up with. Whereas now, who knows, I may close this laptop and go into the bathroom and be inspired by some wall sconce that's on the wall. I don't know. I just know that I'm open to being inspired by anything in life because, uh, yeah, why limit yourself to music or to art or to food or to movies? I I think inspiration can come from anywhere, truly. I do. I mean, that might have been like the most inspirational depiction of like (laughs) discussing your inspiration that I've ever had. It was like, I, I would not have not expected that. in the bathroom is the most yeah. inspiring story. I'm like, I gotta go you to this bathroom. You, you I know. Right? You get the point. You, you go to some cool places. No, that's, I think that's cool too. And I think that, uh, that could not have been answered better really because you're right. The way you were describing it first, I think it's how, that, that's how most of us approach it of like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so inspired this and this and this. And it's like, you should just wake up every day just inspired by living really whatever I mean that's why I do yoga and that's why I do meditation because it really does teach you to just take the sun in on your face for that five seconds that you're outside before you get in your car I mean I've just learned to like yeah let that moment be and and feel that because for all I know I'm gonna get in that car and die on my way to my next podcast not to be grim but I'm just saying it is possible absolutely so to take inspiration from just daily life activities I think that's really important that's I love great. that. That's a great message. Everybody should really rewind that and listen to that again. Right. That was wonderful. Well, you know, what is next for you? Speaking of inspiration, you know, what do you got on the <laughs> docket? What's next? I have so many things planned. Um, so many, but I, I will say the the thing that is really taking my main focus right now as I shoot my official second ever music video. So what, look what? at me, as we talked about earlier, was the first music video I released back in 2000 and I don't know, it was like two years ago. Um, but now I'm finally ready to get back up on the horse to really focus on my music, really put out my album, Iconic, which I've been teasing the world about for, I mean, months on end. 
And uh, November 30th, I will be dropping my first single of 2020, which is titled Daddy. And it is a sex positive anthem uh, for anyone who is out there struggling in quarantine like myself, who is single and wishing they had a partner. This is the anthem for you. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel sexy. And the music video, uh, I mean, we haven't made it yet, so it's hard to say what it's going to be. But I can tell you if everything that we've planned is pulled off, it's going to be probably one of my most proudest moments as an artist. I have no budget to make this happen. I am totally a struggling drag artist in quarantine, so I'm having to call in every favor I know. But luckily, I've been a really nice person to people throughout my life, and I've put in lots of favors, and so it's time for people to you know, show up for me. And I'm, I'm so excited and thrilled by the people who are showing up for me. I truly think it is going to be a beautiful uh, sexy, dark video. And it's a great bop. It's a, it's a great fun song. You know, I, I did look at me first and foremost, because I really did want to come strong with a message, but I also want to show people that I'm fun and that I can be sexy and crazy and that not everything has to be, um, you know, a serious or a message because much like my biggest inspiration in life, Missy Elliott, I believe I can be political and still topical at the same time. That's great. And I loved your first music video. I watched it earlier today and I was like, Jared, you got to go watch this. The costumes, the makeup, your choreography, like how it was shot. Everything was really, really good. I was so Thank impressed. You. Just to give you guys an idea, you know, that video cost $15,000. Oh my gosh. So uh, it was a, a labor of love and it was a big investment, which is why I've taken two years off, because I will be honest, that investment wasn't returned. But at the end of the day, during quarantine, when I close my eyes and I ask myself, what is it that really makes me happy? It's being the Missy Elliott of drag. That's always been my my biggest goal. And that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, I'm lucky that now I'm doing this video for probably about $1,000. I mean, literally nothing. But when I tell you, you are going to be so impressed and so shocked by the art that I was able to pull together during quarantine. I mean, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait to get out there and really have people see me as the musical artist that I know I am and have always been. You know, I grew up in musical theater. So music has always been integral to my art. Uh, but as a drag queen, I think we get so stuck into lip syncing other people's songs. But that day is finally coming to an end. And very soon people are going to have uh, what they've always wanted from me, which I think is a full album. That's so cool. I'm, I am I really dig your music, actually. And I was going to make a comment that like the lyrics are flipping impressive. They're and so catchy. and catchy and like well, I, I don't write them myself. I work with an incredible team. Uh, Jay Tyler, who you mentioned earlier, who was the featured rapper on Look At Me, actually wrote that entire song. He's actually working with me right now to write most of my album. But my next single that's coming out on November 30th, Daddy, is written by Krista Young's who's an incredible artist here in Los Angeles that I've had the pleasure of working with for many, many years. And, you know, I just came to her and told her that I wanted a sex positive anthem that was all about celebrating the individual who did not need no daddy. So uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's, 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 it's a really fun song. And I think the video is going to be uh, very sexy. Oh, slow down. I love the name of it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Smoke Break too. It might be like my, I'm just going to start like randomly playing it here at the house. Like we work from home. And then Lucy's going to be oh, like, oh, that makes it, me so happy, you guys. I, I love Smoke Break. You know, that's, that's epic. It's such a fun song. It's going to get stuck you in know, my I, head. I think that song, it's not only fun, but it also, it, 
it really does touch on a lot of things. You know, I talk about being Laganja and being Jay and how sometimes it's very difficult to separate the two and how busy my life is. And, you know, it really touches on some real things while also still being a great song about taking a smoke break from life. Um, so I'm saying all your, all I'm I'm very proud of the things I've put out, you know, maybe it's only been one song a year, but that one song has been really good. And if people go back and look at my discography, you'll see that, any song I've ever put out, I believe, is a, is a great song and it deserves to be on the radio. And I think I'm well on my way to achieving that goal. Yo, I can back that up. That's why I mentioned the lyrics, because you know, it's like the songs are so cool. You just you find yourself like listening to the lyrics almost more than you're watching it. But then you're like watching it. You're like, this is so amazing. Like you play your part like excellently. And that's what you know, if you do have a writer, great, because like they know you so well that, you know, you're able to, to produce works of art, really. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely and- work very close together, Jay Tyler and I. I give him, you know, phrases, words, ideas. But at the end of the day, those lyrics are written by him. And uh, it takes a special artist to be able to do that. And I acknowledge the fact that that's not where I'm uh, the strongest. And so I'm just so grateful that I've, you know, built the connection with BSC, which is the group that I work with in Atlanta to make all of my music, where I found Jay Tyler. Um, and that they're that they're willing to collaborate with me. And, you know, I've actually been sitting on this song, Daddy, for over a year now. I think I've been very scared to come forward in a very, una, una, what's the word, unapologetic way. You know, I work with children, as I mentioned earlier. So to be seen as a sex icon and still work with children, it's a little difficult. But I finally gotten to that point during quarantine, especially when WAP went, you know, number one in the world. Yeah. I'm talking about Cardi B mm-hmm. and uh, who was it, Meg The Stallion? Yeah. yeah. WAP, wet ass pussy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When that went viral, I realized, okay, yeah, you I got think nothing the world is ready for yeah. daddy. So can uh, nothing can, can be as, you know, dirty as macaroni in the pot. So I think <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. I love that. And if anything, 2020 is like the year to just to do whatever and throw stuff out and see what sticks. So <laughs> right. this is and, the year and for the, And the good news is I have two follow-up singles after this. And they're both clean as the day is long. You know, they're, they were made to be played, hopefully, in like Netflix shows and things of that nature. So there's no cuss words. Super, super clean. So I, I like you said, I want to throw this out there. I want to see if it sticks because ultimately this is who I am. I am a very sexually liberated individual and I believe we all should be. So uh, I would like to push my art in that direction. But uh, as an artist, I'm fully prepared to continue to stay more mainstream and 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 create songs that can be played, you know, in any scenario. So hopefully my uh, versatility will will set right and I'll get to do both. You will. You absolutely will. Um, so one final question here, Laganja. Are you lit or are you lucid? Oh, I'm lit, mama. Oh, <laughs> I knew we it. knew it. Oh, yeah. I love it. I'm always lit. Are you kidding? <laughs> so lit. I love it. That's great. And that's yeah, what this I, I show's about. I wish I could be lucid. I really do. Um, but I, I think I'm just such a A-type personality Capricorn that that's just, that's just never going to be in my cards. <laughs> nah, you do your part. You play your part you well. You. you rock it. <laughs> You're probably one of the littest person we've ever had on the show. Yeah. We're so stoked. Oh, well, thank you guys. I, I really do appreciate it. You know, it as an LGBTQAI plus person, it's it's just so amazing to have other allies and individuals tell my story. And 
I, I, I am. I'm just so grateful that during this time of quarantine, I've become kind of the podcast queen. I mean, that's not my official title, but I just want to say I've been on a lot of podcasts. And every time I'm just I'm just so grateful because you guys have the choice to choose, as you said, 103 episodes. You've had many choices and we'll have many more after this to, to pick your guests. And I'm just so thankful that my art and my, and my message sparked your interest. Well, we appreciate you as well. And you have friends in the Lit and Lucid podcast. So we'll push your songs, um, especially the debut of Daddy on November 30th. You guys check yes, it out. Please. Yeah. I hope, I hope you guys will play it on the we'll show. Play it. Oh, we're playing it, man. We'll be playing it in the house, in the studio. We'll be playing it everywhere. Uh, you know, and, and to, you know, keep on your journey because this doesn't stop here. We'll be checking back in. And I know your journey is definitely not going to stop here. There's so much more for you to accomplish. So go get it. Well, thank you guys again. I absolutely will. And be sure, like you said, on November 30th to look for Daddy dropping on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. It will be there. And of course, the official music video on my YouTube channel, which is just Laganja Stranja. Perfect. Subscribe, listen, watch it, dig it. All right, you guys. And with that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And I'm Laganja. And that's it. Laters. (laughs) Ha <laughs>